great to be with you tonight and uh, back again after last week. And um, tonight I thought, well, we'll do something a bit different again. Last time I said we'll ask some uh, questions at the end of the service, but I thought this week I'll ask them at the beginning. <laughs> and, uh, and I said to Glenn earlier this week, this could either go really well or be an absolute flop. So we've got a 50-50 chance, but we're just so glad that you are here to be a part of it. One of the things that um, I want to look at tonight is leadership. And looking at leadership, I've got quite a few different ways I want to go, but who knows where we'll go. But I love Moses. And I've probably got anything up to a dozen or 15 sermons on Moses because I just think it's such a fascinating life that we can lead. And yet I want to look at, at one particular aspect tonight of Moses and his call to leadership. <clears throat> we can look around a room like this and I think we could be absolutely amazed to understand the depth of leadership we have in this place. I don't think we really grasp how much leadership potential is right at your table tonight. Are you excited about being a leader? I always think when I talk about leadership, I remember um, Graham Carnell one time said, if you think you're a leader and you turn around and nobody's coming behind you, you're merely going for a walk. <laughs> but we're leaders, folk. We're all leaders. And God has called us to lead to the best of our ability and to use the gifts he has given us for his glory. And so I want to ask a question. The first question that you can talk to me here tonight, and uh, they're fairly general and you probably all have an idea on this. The first question, what is leadership? That's a pretty broad one, isn't it? So you're bound to have some idea that you could tell me about this one. What's leadership? Who's going to start? Influence. Well, that answered that question. <laughs> Absolutely. Who agrees with that? You know, if you really agree with it, you can all put a dollar on the table there for Nick. Absolutely true, isn't it? Influence. Okay, that's what leadership is. Any other suggestions? Example. Example. Great. Yep. We were just talking here. We're talking here tonight. Steve, I think it was about that. No, it wasn't. With, it was with Matt. Got to get it right. I said, you know, we don't realise how much we lead. And all I'd have to do is to look at your kids to see how well you lead. Because I can guarantee we can sit down... And we can look at children and they are going to become like you, whether that's good or bad. 
we are in the process of shaping their lives before we ever open our mouth. That's example, isn't it? That's great. Well, that's a couple we've got. We can keep going. Who makes a leader? Okay, you think about in our general society today, who makes a leader? Yeah, well, that's a... No, that's a joker. Yeah. But who makes a leader? Businessman. Who's that? Business person? The people around us. People around us? God. What is that? God. God. He's probably pretty close up the top. <laughs> but if we were looking at who makes a leader, what type of personality do you tend to look at first? Extrovert. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't know whether you, you realise this, that I'm probably more an extrovert... My wife's probably more of an introvert. And for over, over 30 years of ministry, I would come home and I'd say something like, I've got a new idea. And I could almost tell you, I'd hear, oh, no. Because Glenn learned very early in life, I get a new idea, she gets more work. Because... I like being the chief. And if I'm going to be an effective chief, what do I need? Indians. You know what I'm saying? And yet we tend to completely overlook the Indians. And sometimes we only just see them as servants of the leaders. And I think we miss out on the depth of leadership from our more introverted people who have got an absolute richness to give. Um, I'm already digressing, aren't I? But I always say when it comes to church, we, we sometimes do poorly decision-making. You know, we, we come to a meeting, we throw up a good idea, and all the extroverts grab it and run with it and think, yep, let's do it. And then if you're driving home with an introvert and they say, did you think about? I'm not here to think. I'm just here to get something going. <laughs> and so I've come to a conclusion, never been able to get it working properly yet, is that if I'm going to make a decision in the church, it should take at least three months. The first month, I throw it out there. The second month, I listen to all the introverts as to what they believe about it. At the end of that second month, we get together and we put it all on the table and then we leave it sitting. At the end of the third month, we make a decision and I think if we did that, we'd have good balance. You know, how many... I don't know whether any of you have ever experienced this, but I would jump in and make a decision and Glenn would ask a silly question like, did you think about it? I didn't need to think about it. It was just right. <laughs> Who's on my side? <laughs> you know, but you know what I'm saying? Sometimes we, 
we don't always get all the data and we need the people who bring the check in the balance and that's the leadership, okay? So our pri the priority of leadership, what would you suggest is the priority for leadership in this day and age? What is that? Actions and consequences. Yep. So true. Think you've got we've got to think through, haven't we? Clear vision. What's that? Clear vision. Clear vision. Absolutely. It's good to have a leader who knows where they're going. And then we can get with them and support them and follow them. We we need that. Because the proverb said without a vision, people perish. And we need to have a vision. We need to really know the mind of God and then build the vision out of that. For those of you who were here last week, what is our primary purpose in life? Anybody remember? That was a, that was a week ago, I know, but... To be like Jesus. Primary purpose to be like Jesus. And so we come here tonight and say, okay, my primary, primary purpose as a leader is that I am going to be like Jesus. Then if that's my primary purpose, what is my secondary purpose? To serve him. To serve him. And I think we get that back to front a lot, don't we? We sometimes think... I believe our, our secondary purpose is what drives us. And I wonder if that's not why we find a lot of people are going through burnout, because they haven't taken time to be in the very presence of God. Oh, just to be with him, just to know him. Have you found that the more you know of Jesus, the more to know of him, there is more still. <clears throat> Isn't that amazing? Just think about it. If we went from here tonight and our, <coughs> our only desire was, I am going to be like Jesus. <coughs> Lord, I just want to see you. Wow, we'd go so far. A lot of people make leaders. Last Sunday night, had uh, Bronwyn came to me and asked me, what was he going to speak about tonight? I was going to speak about leadership. What was your answer, Bronwyn? You probably can't remember. What was your answer to me? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the, first, the first comment was, well, that's good, but I'm not a leader. And so, it's not pick on Bronwyn Knight, but <laughs> Joe, yes. you come here, come up here and tell me why you see Bronwyn as a leader. Uh, Do you all want to know Bronwyn? Yes. Do you want Bronwyn up? No, we won't ask you to stand up, Bronwyn. <laughs> why do you see Bronwyn as a leader? Um, for me, Bronwyn has um, joined our worship team and she's been very humble and gracious and we all know she can sing, right? Everyone's heard that beautiful voice tonight, and she's gifted in that. And so um, as a leader, I see her as very humble, absolutely humble. 
very gracious and um, she comes alongside our young ones and she helps them to step into what God's called them to be through music. So yep. she's very gifted and skilled in her capabilities, so experience. <laughs> she's had experience as a worship leader for many years and so she contributes in the role of leadership by mentoring our young ones and, and not so young people right. in, in our That's gifts right. yeah. and abilities and, and um, just encouraging us encouragement really mm -hmm. to become the best who we can be for Christ so mm -hmm. that's how I see her leading good thanks Joe. do you agree with that Bronwyn <laughs> but but you, you hear what I'm saying you know you know one of the things I'd love us to do more in church is to take time to go to people and tell them why they're great. To sit down with somebody and you know, it is just a privilege to sit in your presence and to chat with you because what you give and the person you are brings a richness into my life that I could not even begin to imagine. I think one of the the things we can get so busy doing, we forget to be encouragers. You know, we need encouragement. Our, our leadership team needs encouragement for for Joe and the and the team of the pastoral staff here need encouragement. And we know we can encourage them from home, but to encourage them face-to-face, -face, oh, it's worth so much. That's what leadership's about, encouraging. And, and I think there's so much we can learn as we encourage people. Where's Aaron? Come on, Aaron, up here. Aaron hasn't got a clue what we're going to do here, but, but you know, I'll guarantee a lot of us don't we know this guy? Who's ever had a conversation with Aaron? Well, that's good. That's good. If you're coming up here, Aaron, so we can... Good to see you. You know, the thing that this, this week, I just spoke to Caitlin. I said, this week I've just been challenged to pray for this man. I didn't know why, because, but I just knew that I wanted to have an opportunity to have him share with us here tonight. And I just felt it was important. And the thing is that as we are here, does she ever organise you? <laughs> but the, the thing we, we come to... I nodded when she wasn't looking, by the way. <laughs> that's right, yes. But the thing is with, with Aaron, it's so easy to come to church to have Caitlin as busy as a hat full of bees and Aaron's is, is sitting in the corner being still and being quiet, okay? That's Aaron. But I, I said to Aaron, um, could you tell us tonight what you see as leadership in your wife? Oh, easily. She has a natural ability. Yep. Uh, she has a natural ability. Um, 
to lead and a confidence when she leads and people come to her. Um, for guidance. Yeah. Great stuff. That's what it's about, isn't it? I think the, the thing for Aaron, do you ever feel like you're in a backwater? when it comes to like being in church? Um, oh, I don't really think so, because no. that's where I prefer to be, so... Yeah. yeah. Can anybody identify with Aaron? <laughs> yeah, he's excited about being up here tonight. <laughs> that's great. But, yeah, but we hear, we hear what he's saying. But Aaron is going to be a leader from behind the scenes. And yet I think the thing we want you to hear tonight, Aaron, is that the ministry you offer, we want to validate that in you, okay? Because I think we would all agree here tonight that the ministry that Caitlin has to this church and through little bub running around Madison. Caitlin can do that, mate, because of you. Isn't that fantastic? What a leader to be able to provide that beautiful ministry to free his wife to serve. And we as a church are richer because of who you are. Okay? thinking about Aaron this week, knowing that, how long were you in the military? Uh, 16 years. 16 years. And because of health issues, were you discharged? Yeah, I was medically discharged. Yep. That is probably some 10 years back. About... You know, I think one of the things that as I was thinking of you this week, you know, I think we as a church need to daily pray for this man that God would just so anoint him in his health that we will just see a, a new level of just healing in your life to still be who you want to be. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And you're still going to be a support worker. But we want you to know that God has a beautiful place for you as a leader. Okay? Caitlin How do you see Aaron as a leader? You want a microphone? Does she need a microphone? Probably just a little bit.
doesn't need the fanfare. Like That's right. He doesn't. Madison, on the other hand, does. <laughs> um, come here. She, um, he doesn't need the fanfare. He doesn't need the... Oh, sorry. Aaron's going to be so awkward with this. Thanks, Auntie Jo. Aaron doesn't need the, the... He doesn't need the praise. He doesn't need the fanfare. He doesn't... He actually would prefer not to have any eyes on him. That would be his absolute preference. Mm -hmm. And I think the thing that I love about in our relationship and in our marriage is that he's always... He actually helps me and enables me to achieve dreams. Yeah. And I so hope that I do the same for him. Mm -hmm. But... You know, I am one of those people. I'm a bit like Lionel. I go, well, why don't we do this? We could do this. And then Aaron makes it happen. And, um, yeah, I love that. I absolutely love that. Great stuff. Thanks. Thanks, Aaron. So let's get to know this guy and let's, and let's be praying for him. Because there's, I think, quite frankly, that PTSD is a pain, isn't it? So we want to pray for him. Mate, bless you, Aaron. And I think the, you know, and no doubt we could repeat this story over and over and over again right here. I, I sometimes sit back as I talk to couples and I'm absolutely amazed how God gets it right when he puts people together. Isn't it, you know, you think he knew what he was doing. But there's a blessing how... You know, we, di we didn't know anything about personalities, but somehow God got it right. And isn't that exciting? That provides leadership. I put a couple of things up on the board there. Leadership is about preparation. It's about preparation. We need to be prepared. Leadership is about being equipped for service. You know, we can, we can all do better at being prepared. You know, the extroverts, we can bluff our way through. You know what, my daughter, you know, none of your daughters would ever do this to you, but not Wendy, because she's mostly nice to me, but our second daughter, she said to me one day, you know, Dad, you could talk at length on any subject with or without information. I'm not quite sure what she was saying, but, but it, I don't think it was complimentary. But you, you know what I'm saying? It's about being equipped. And you know, it doesn't matter how long I've been in ministry, I can still do better. I can still learn more. I can still grow. I can still build better relationships. It's about allowing God to shape us. This is why it's so important to be like Jesus, to know Jesus. Because the more I become like him, the more I'll have his very presence filling my life and changing me. It is about allowing God to use our life experiences. You know, I, I dare say that if we got together and chatted, we could find a lot of experiences that have been extremely painful in your life. I think I sit back at times and I think, how on earth can you use that, God? 
only to find out years later, somehow God prepared it. I remember when I was, before I went to college, I was only about 38, and I remember I was in hospital with what they believed was pancreatitis, but I wasn't drinking. But I was in hospital for weeks and not well and left me with a heart problem. And um, that sums it up. I got to Melbourne to go to college. And, uh, yeah, like a little country town where if we had something went wrong, we needed help, we'd go to our local member and say, look, I've got this situation, can you help me get maybe accommodation or maybe do something to help this person? And so I went to Melbourne and uh, in the middle of Broad Meadows, I thought we had a problem up there, so I went to the local member and, uh, and said, we've got this problem with this person in Broadie, can you help me? And they virtually, the, his, the girl who was in his office said, sorry, we, we can't really help you with that. But then she got to asking me questions and said, why are you in Melbourne? And I uh, told her that, you know, I came to Melbourne to begin to prepare for ministry that a part of the call to ministry was out of, out of sickness. And she said, Why, what happened to you? And I told her how I ended up with pancreatitis and out of action for weeks with a weak heart. And then she said, can I ask you more questions about that? And, you know, it turned out she went down with pancreatitis and a heart problem on the same day in the same year. And she said, you've come to ministry and I've gotten angry. Difference, isn't it? And I remember Gillian said to me, she said, if that's what God can do for you, can he do it for me? Now, to having pancreatitis wasn't on my bucket list. You know, it wasn't the things I want to do before I die. But God could take that and use it. That's God's leadership. Creating a beautiful opportunity. Had our, my cousin in Gainda, who's, they'd tried for years to have a little child. And after about 10 years of trying, Virginia was born. And you can imagine that she was the apple of everybody's eye. And at 20 months, Little Virginia was playing with a bucket, had that much water in it, she overbalanced and drowned. The police were there and they said, how could that happen? It's almost impossible for that bucket to stay upright. It doesn't make sense. But, you know, in our little country town of Gainda, every time there was a death of a child, they always rang die. Because Di could say, I understand. I couldn't, because I couldn't understand. Oh, I can have heart feeling and I can have pain for them, but I couldn't understand what it would be like to lose little bub. And I think sometimes as being used, letting life experience change us is absolutely precious. And so look, as you look back, 20 years in the Navy, a richness that God will use. And we need to look back at our life and say, wow, God, you're so good that you're going to take that stuff 
and you're going to use me as a leader to enable me to assist in somebody's life being transformed. Folks, nothing is ever wasted. So it's about losing life experience and it's about being available. About being available. You know, people need us. We're salt. We're light. We need to be real. We need to be genuine. People need to be able to look at us and say, there's something different about you and I want to know what it is. What drives you today? And I think that makes a difference. Because whether we like it or not, and we are all leaders, people every day are watching you. They're watching you. Isn't that exciting? You know, one of the things I've often do when you have a person become a, a new Christian, a baby Christian, and I love to have them beginning a discipling program, and I'll give them another person, and I'll say, now, this person is going to disciple you. They're going to walk with you through Scripture. Each week they'll meet with you and talk with you and pray with you. And what I want you to do is to become like them. Scares the living jimmies out of them. <laughs> you think, oh, no. That means that stuff in my life, I better clean it up. Because isn't that what it's about? If people are going to become like us, they're going to follow us and are going to learn from us. It's about understanding my primary purpose and my secondary purpose. I want to know Jesus and I want to serve him. You know, I looked at the clock and it's now 5.58. But the thing I want to do, and I can do this fairly briefly this evening, and it's a challenge, I believe, for you. I want to look at Moses. And of all the messages on Moses, it's this one. Excuses, excuses, excuses. If you want to make a note of the scripture there, it's Exodus 2.23 through 4.17. Read the story. I think we've all made excuses. We've all tried to get out of stuff. Didn't always work. I read about a neighbour who came to borrow the farmer's axe. And the farmer said, no, you can't have my axe. I'm shaving tonight. <laughs> and after the neighbour left and went home, his wife said, why did you make such a stupid excuse? And he said, when you don't want to do something, one excuse is as good as another. <laughs> and how often we do that. We make excuses. And I think there's, for Moses, in that, those passages of Scripture, if you read those, those three chapters or parts of them, you can see excuses. Moses was being prepared as a leader. God had picked him out as a leader. 
we think about the way he was saved as a child. Herod was upset because all those Hebrew kids were growing up and they were becoming strong <coughs> and he was afraid that one day they might take over and run the Egyptians out of Egypt. And so he made a decree that all boys were to be killed. Moses' mum said, I'm not going to let that happen. You know the story, don't you? No, you don't know the story, do you? Took a, made a little basket of papyrus grass and, and took her prized possession, Moses, took him down to the edge of the river and put him in the basket and pushed him out and then waited to see what would happen. It just so happened that at about that time, one of Herod's, uh, I think it was one of his princesses, was down by the river and she saw this basket and she got somebody to get the basket and found this little child. And she took the child home and said, I need a babysitter. Who'd they get? Mum. Duh. Not that hard, is it? When God's in control, it's amazing what can happen. And so here we see Moses being prepared as a leader, saved as a child from death. I go Exodus 2, 5 to 10, and I see he was raised in an Egyptian palace. Now, if anybody was going to need to get to know the way the Egyptians thought, where's a good place to learn? In the palace. Wow. So God puts him in the palace to learn about what's going to happen there. We know then, we see in Exodus chapter 2 again, that Moses gets a bit arrogant, a bit headstrong, and he sees um, a couple of the, a couple of the um, Egyptians fighting, and then he kills one of them. Next day, one of the Hebrews says, you're going to kill us too like we killed him. And at that point, Moses says, uh-oh, I'm out of here. So he's gone. Leaves town. Goes over to Midian. He gets over into Midian and there meets a woman. He meets a family. And he gets attached to this family. He marries and he has a family there. And he's spending his time looking after the herds. Very, very comfortable, very, very happy. One day he's out there and he's looking after the, um, the herds and, and God happens to turn up. I love it in scripture when I read some, like Elijah I love and he he runs and runs and runs and runs and runs to get away from God. And when he gets there, huh, sits under the juniper tree, God says, will I drink? Wouldn't that drive you nuts? <laughs> God's there. You know, you can run as far as you like, but when you get there, God will be waiting for you. Wow. He cares about us. And here, he's, he's looking after these sheep, and he's there, and he saw something burning. What was it? A bush. What was happening to the bush? 
It wasn't burning up. He said, something different here. So like any curious person, he goes over to have a look. And God God talks to him. And it's interesting, in Exodus 3, verse 10, he says, God says to Moses, go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people out of Egypt. That's a pretty big call, isn't it? Over 400 years in slavery. Moses, I've got a little job for you. I want you to go to Egypt and bring the people out. The next verse begins, but. (laughs) What's coming? Excuses why he can't be a leader. I I wonder sometimes, and, and I don't know where you're situated here, but I think one of the things that precludes us from being the leaders God wants us to be is because we are comfortable in what we are doing and we are comfortable in our rut. Right? I think God sometimes has got to kick us out of our nest. You know, I always think, of remember when Peter came walking on the water and I can see all the disciples in the boat and say to Peter, Peter, where's your faith? You know, Jesus is looking after you. Where's your faith? Trust him. And I just love to say, pull a plug out of the boat and see how you guys go. <laughs> you know, see how good you can walk on water. You know, but I see Moses is starting to make excuses. And when I go through uh, this particular little passage of scripture, I'm just going to give it to you very briefly now tonight. There's a lot more in my notes than I'm going to share. Moses has four excuses. And then a bottom line excuse. And we can listen to what they are. His first question to, Jesus, to God is this. Verse 11, chapter 3. Who am I? He identifies his own personal weakness. It's Moses saying, hey, I remember back to the time when I was in Egypt and I killed that Egyptian. He said, I'm a complete failure. I'm out of here. Remember last week I said, your past is past. It can't hurt you unless you let it. And God said to Moses, I've called you to go to Egypt to lead my people. And Moses simply says, who am I? In verse 13, remember remember who Moses is talking to? He's talking to God and he knows it. And what does Moses say? Um, Whom shall I say sent me? As if he didn't know. Because God had told him, you're going to do it. Who will I say sent me? Personal fear. He's acting ignorant. And I love it what God says. He says, go and tell them, I am sends you. God, the self-sufficient one, the God of eternity, the self-existent God who is revealing his majesty, his omnipotence, his omniscience, his goodness and his grace all at once. And just add that I'm Jehovah. 
Moses, you'd better hear what I'm saying to you tonight. Go lead my people. And Moses said, who will I say send me? Exodus 4 verse 1. What if they don't believe me? Oh, I wonder how often we use this one. You know, we've got an opportunity to, to share with somebody about the love of Jesus. What if they don't believe me? You know something? It's not my problem. Because I can't lead anybody to Jesus. I, I can only share the message. And when I share the message, it's between you and God. Otherwise, I can get proud. And if I share the message and, and that person doesn't accept the Lord right then, it's still not my problem because between them and God. And here is Moses saying, they won't listen to me. He lost his credibility and he said, I can't, I can't do that. Personal fear. Well, and you'll notice each one of these, God has an answer. Have you ever found, well, I've always said this to people, it, it took me a long time to learn it. But one of the things I found in life, if I'm going to get into an argument with God, now I know you'd never do this, but if I'm going to get into an argument with God, I have learned I might as well give up now because I'm not going to win. And if I, if I give in and say, okay, God, you win, I'll do what you want, I'll go where you want, it saves me a lot of heartache. And yet every now and again, I still want to give him a vivid challenge just to see if he's still working. You know, you know what I'm saying? And here was Moses saying, hey, they won't believe me. And it's interesting when you read in Exodus 4, the three signs he gave Moses. One was the stick, the... Um, the staff became a serpent. I love it in the script where it said, and Moses was packing death when he saw the serpent. <laughs> and God said, pick it up by the tail. Hang on, that's a dangerous end. You know, he picked it up and became a staff again. And then he said to Moses, put your hand in your jacket. And he came out and was white with leprosy. He said, stick it back in your jacket. He put it back and he pulled it out and it was perfect. And he said to Moses, if they still don't believe, go get a bucket of water out of the Nile and go and tip it on the, wall, on the ground and it'll be become blood. Moses, I'm in charge of this. Your only role is to do what I tell you. And Moses says, oh, hang on, I'm a bit scared. I love it when it gets to verse 10 in chapter 4 and Moses says, I am not eloquent. I can't speak. It is interesting, and I love this, and I mentioned this to Bronwyn last week. Moses said, I can't speak. I'm not eloquent. I haven't been to the School of Public Speaking at Nick Palace. That's next year's course. But he said, <laughs> I haven't been there. I haven't done that. And it's interesting, as I read God, he said to Moses, I will give you Aaron to be your spokesman. And then I read the scripture and now I never got a word in. 
Moses couldn't shut up. He kept on talking. You know, so it was an excuse, wasn't it? It wasn't about what was right or wrong. He said, no, I can't speak. And I think that's dangerous. But then we can read those and, and God answered every one of his complaints. But then I love it when it gets to verse 13, Exodus 4, verse 13. It simply says this. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. What does verse 13 say? Oh, Lord, please send someone else to do it. It's in the too hard basket for me. And quite frankly, God, I've got a wife and I've got kids and I'm very comfortable over here in Midian with my father-in-law looking after his sheep and everything's going really, really well. And you want me to lead these two million or more Jews out of Egypt? I think I'll stay here, God. And I wonder how many times we have been challenged to leadership and we bring all excuses, but the bottom line is I don't want to do it. I, I just want you to hear my heart here. As a pastor, over the years, one of the greatest compliments I can pay to any person in my church is to ask you to be a leader of a group or a ministry because it means I have watched you, I have observed you and I believe that God can use you to lead this group of people. If I were your pastor and I ask you to be a leader, that is probably the greatest compliment I can pay you. As a pastor, I've heard people say all sorts of things to me. And sometimes I shouldn't always say what I think. That's what Rex talked about this morning, wasn't it? <laughs> but I've had people who say things to me, I'll go and pray about it. You know what I said to some people? Why don't you say no now and not try to make it spiritual? <laughs> you, you hear what I'm saying? I think sometimes we try to blame God for stuff we don't want to do. And God says, get off my case. It's your problem. You sort it out. And, and I think that when we are called to be leaders, folk, let's lead. I've often used that statement, if God has called you to be a leader, you dare not stoop to be a king. And if you are given a leadership role, folk, God will anoint you. One of the things that I can say, and poor old Ross up there probably hadn't got a clue where I am, probably two of us, but... God will never send you anywhere. He does not go before you. If God calls you to be a leader, he also will equip you. If God calls you to be a leader, get people around you who will pray for you. Oh, we need that. Because we don't survive on our own. And we need to get out there and to serve and to be leaders 
that can bring glory to God. Moses made a good job of excuses, but God saw through every one of them and said, mate, I've chosen you to be the leader. When are you going to lead? And I think that's a challenge for us tonight. As I said at the beginning, we have probably got more leadership potential in this room here tonight than we could ever imagine. But let's harness it. Whether you're a behind-the-scenes leader, whether you're an upfront leader, or wherever you fit, be like Jesus and then give him your very best. And when you do that, you will be absolutely amazed what God can do in you and what God can do through you. And my challenge to you tonight is this. Pray about your walk with God. Pray about getting to know him more. Praying to have the courage to trust him more and then to go serve him. We are blessed. Moses, one of the great men of of our faith, he struggled. He struggled. But in the end, he did what God told him to do. And you might be having a tough time, but let me say this, you can trust him. He'll never let you down. He will equip you. And whether it's Caitlin up the front or Aaron, quiet, for whoever, whoever you are, God will lead you. But will you put your hand in his hand and trust him? I'll just finish with one of the little stories that I, I love to use. We, we need to learn to trust God more. And I remember reading the story, and I just apply this so much to my own relationship with God. Granddad was walking with a little grandchild. And the little child would hang onto Granddad's hand. But every now and again, he'd be walking along and he'd stumble and fall over. But he, he wasn't strong enough to hang on, and he'd fall over. Granddad would pick him up. And the little child said to his granddad, Granddad, if you would hold my hand, if I stumble, I won't fall. Folk, for every one of us here tonight, will we let God take hold of our hand? And even though the times we might struggle, we're going to make it. And God's going to use us for his glory. Wow. Haven't got a good God. So bless you guys. And uh, thanks for letting me share with you.